Welcome to the DNA Conference podcast series hosted by Bob Cooney. The DNA Conference in LA is a first-of-its-kind gathering of some of the brightest and most innovative minds in simulation, virtual reality, gaming, retail, movies, advertising, education, and social media. Hosted by the Davidson Center on the campus of the University of Southern California, DNA Conference LA facilitates a higher level of understanding of these varied components with sessions tailored to educate and inform those developing, operating, or investing in the out-of-home entertainment market. We are here at day two of the DNA Conference at the beautiful Southern California campus at USC. And I'm here with a, a very special guest, Randy White of White Hutchinson. Um, and uh, Randy just finished a, a very compelling presentation titled Creative Destruction. and um, and we're, it was so good, we're actually going to probably break this up into a series of podcasts. So uh, strap yourself in for some great data and some great insights into the future of the location-based entertainment industry. And I want to welcome uh, Randy White. Oh, thank you. So Randy, give us a, a, initially, just give us a brief background on you and your business. Okay, I'm CEO of the White Hutchinson Leisure and Learning Group. Uh, we have our main office in Kansas City, Missouri, and we have a branch office in Doha, Qatar. Uh, we've been working in the location-based entertainment center industry for 23 years. We work throughout the world. We've worked in 32 countries, and we basically specialize in production, design, and consulting for various types of location-based entertainment venues. Cool. So, so you've seen a lot around the world. You understand the trends. You spent your career really studying economic trends and and social trends right. and how they impact the out-of-home entertainment Yes, industry, yes, right? we do this because obviously we want to guide our clients in the right direction. All right, so, so your presentation this morning, um, you used the term creative destruction, and essentially talking about how portable dev digital devices and the fact that we're never online has created this digital cocoon, and it's stripping away people from out-of-home entertainment because we have so many opportunities now for other types of entertainment. So give me the, the high-level summary of that. Well, basically, you have the real-world entertainment where you go to a bricks-and-mortar type location, and then we have the virtual world and the Internet and the digital world, which has been evolving over the last two decades. And now we have so many forms of entertainment, social media, et cetera, that are accessible to us in our home through digital media and as well as mobile devices now. And our research shows that time spent on entertainment and dollars spent on entertainment is shifting from the real world into the virtual world. Okay, so one of the things you did, you, you kind of created a new categorization, which was um, away from home entertainment which, so what is that comprised of and, and, and how is that going to impact the trends? Well, yeah, I mean, used to be we only had two forms. You either had entertainment at home or you went to a location. Now we have so many forms of mobile devices, smartphones, iPads, that when you talk about out-of-home entertainment, you really have to break it into two categories. It's the mobile devices and still the location-based bricks and mortar. All right, so, um, and and... Speaking of mobile devices, you put up a breathtaking statistic 
saying that spend on cell phone hardware and services is up 367% since, I think, 2002, mm -hmm. where out-of-home location-based entertainment spending is down 16%, yes. and you drew a corollary. Well, that, that was the statistics for average American household spending. Okay. Uh, and most all our statistics are really American-based, although we've seen a lot of statistics in parts of uh, Western Europe that pretty well parallel what we're seeing here in America. Okay. So, so there, there's a lot of statistics showing people are shifting their spend okay. towards mobile devices, right. mobile services, Internet services, away from location-based mm -hmm. entertainment. How is that impacting our, the industry? Well, there's, there's the average household is spending less dollars on bricks-and-mortar location-based entertainment. And, and, you know, all the, we can look at cell and smartphones. We can look at audio and visual equipment and services. And no matter what we look at, the spending is up in those categories, and it's down for what we call out-of-home entertainment. And this includes uh, family entertainment centers, bowling centers, museums, zoos, theme parks, any type of kind of location-based entertainment. So right. the average household today spend 16% less in those venues than they did in the year 2000. And the amazing thing is this is not something that was brought on by the recession. This is a long-term trend. You can see the downward line on the graphs consistent starting back around the year 2000. So what happened in 2000? I mean, what was the was there a landmark seismic shift? Was there an invention? What was well, it? Well, we've tracked it back to 2000. We've looked a little before then. I don't think 2000 is the key date. What has been happening is digital entertainment has been evolving, and it's becoming more affordable and more convenient over time. Yep. If you look at what we have today versus what we had in the year 2000, we had some in-home game consoles. We had the computer. We didn't have the smartphone. We didn't have a lot of the things we have today that people are now being drawn to. Now, one of the things you talk about in convenience yeah. is that that opens up these entertainment um, opportunities to a very broad spectrum of socioeconomic participants. Right. And you're suggesting now, really, when you look at the spend drop-off, mm -hmm. it's it's 80% of the market on the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum. So you're recommending that at entertainment facilities really focus on that top 20%. Well, Talk yeah, about that. When, you, when you look at the spending, the most dramatic drops have been with the lower socioeconomic. The lower it is, the, le the more the drop in out-of-home entertainment spending. And the greater the increase in spending in the digital world for electronic devices. Uh, the top income quintile, which is roughly 100,000 plus, they've dropped a little, about 6% over that time period from the year 2000 in their out-of-home entertainment spending, and they've gone up a little in the digital. But what's happening is the digital is so much more affordable. Yeah. And for those people who don't have a lot of discretionary income, they're moving over to what is most affordable. I mean, what's it cost you to be in your home and use a game on a console on Wii or something, if you start amortizing the cost of everything, what is it, a nickel an hour or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you also talked a little bit about movie attendance being down 25% since 2002 yeah. while prices going up about 10%. That's, I 
That's per capita attendance. Right. The, the average American is going to the movies 25% less times today than they were in the past. Okay. And the price is going up dramatically. What's happening is the a greater share of the attendance is shifting to the higher socioeconomic yep. who can afford the higher prices. So you're seeing it across all kinds of out-of-home, location-based entertainment, movies, bowling, FEC. Museums, cultural, theme, parks. theme parks, cultural institutions, everything we look, look at. Uh, sports, attendance at sports events, same thing. Okay, so, so there's... Yeah. And if you look at sports stadiums, yeah. right, there's a big movement and has yeah. been for about right. 10 years, and those guys are pretty sophisticated, right, right? Um, to building more luxury suites mm -hmm. and increase the, as you call, the fidelity right. of the experience at sports stadiums. Is that part of this whole trend? Well, that's part of this whole trend. We see the same thing in bowling centers. We're now doing the VIP lounges. We have movie theaters now creating VIP balcony areas. So so that, talk, that gets yeah. into the whole notion of fidelity and a term you put right. up there, which I love called the fidelity belly. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, what's happening is you have two extremes. You have the con high convenience, which means really accessible and low price. So if you look at, you know, that many years ago, we were using musical CDs to listen to our music. And then along came the iPod player and the MP3 music. Now, MP3 music is lower musical quality than a CD but people gravitated to the convenience. At the same time, for out-of-home musical experiences, the rock concerts and you know all these things went up in quality. They had special effects, it's like the stadiums. And what happens is you get this middle ground called the Fidelity Belly, and nobody wants to be there. Nobody buys musical CDs anymore. So that Fidelity Belly is a pot belly, not a six pack. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And so people either go to one extreme or they go to the other extreme. But you'd never want to fall into the fidelity belly. Interesting. So what does that mean for location-based entertainment, if it's not obvious to, you, to, to my listeners already? Okay. Well, there's certain types of venues that are not moving up fast enough in their quality, in their fidelity. Uh, and as a result, they're falling into the fidelity belly. They're falling out of favor. Yeah, I think you used the circus as an example, well, yeah, too, right? Right. Where the, the circus was, you know, is a classic. You know, now we have, you know, in-home television and high definition and all that. And so the that's Discovery convenient. Channel and Animal right. Planet and right. this ability to experience right. the whole circus thing on Or television. entertainment, whatever it is. And then at the other extreme, we have Circus du Soleil, which is incredibly high fidelity and also a lot more expensive than the circus. Yeah. But you will find that the circus is falling out of favor. It's yeah. still there, but it's not what it used to be. But it's evolving. Yeah. Interesting. All right, so um, so the, the, the bowling centers are mm -hmm. one, a, there's a, an aspect of location-based entertainment. Right. You use an example that's kind of doing this, um, this high fidelity experience. Right. We talked about um, the VIP lounges and some of these. Lucky Strike, I think, is one right. of the chains that were mentioned. Um, and you, you talk about the ball standing the sense, the the the, the uh, test of time. Well, yeah, it's really interesting when you look at those forms of entertainment that have been around a hundred years or more. They almost all involve throwing or rolling a ball. In America, we have miniature golf. Uh, we have bowling. 
we have... Uh, you mentioned bocce making a comeback. Bocce ball is making a comeback. Actually, if you look at skee-ball, yeah. it's over 100 years old. And, and so it's interesting. Yeah. We've spoken a lot. Yeah. There have been a lot of speakers. Mm -hmm. I've got a, a very good podcast mm -hmm. here um, on social media. Mm -hmm. And the ball actually becomes a, a centerpiece of this notion of social but real social, not virtual social. Right, correct. And how does location-based entertainment fit in that need for what I'll call for this podcast real social? Well, when we look at real search, real social, and we look at all the research, it's a much more rewarding experience than social media. And people still crave those real-world social experiences. I mean, we even have now digital technology that enables us to find those experiences with things like Square and some of these other apps where we can find out where our friends are hanging out, enjoying them. Yeah, like Foursquare. Foursquare, yeah, 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 right. So, um, so there's this need for social interaction. Mm -hmm. And that's one, you know, one of the things people talk about, why movies have always at least held ground as entertainment while the in-home theater experience continues to well, skyrocket, right? The, the truth is, if you look at the cinema experience, it is really not a social experience because you're all sitting there in a chair looking at a screen, right. and you're not talking. And it's very interesting. A lot of the movie chains have realized now that to survive, to stop that falling attendance, they have to become more social. They're putting in bars. They're putting in lounges. They're putting in bowling. They're putting in restaurants. And they're even serving food and beverage in the theater. So e although it's not a true social experience while you're watching the film, before or after the film experience, you're having a social experience. So they're raising the fidelity yep. of the cinema experience. And you've talked yeah. about um, how food becomes critical to the social experience. Well, well, food, yeah. Throughout the world, wherever we've worked, I find that people to socialize either have to have some sort of drink in their hand, they have to be heating, eating something, or they have to be playing something together. We have a real hard time just sitting around without doing anything and being social. So, and, and most people, if you really look at it, there's two types of dining. There's the fuel. I'm going to run into McDonald's because I've got to fill my stomach with something. And then there's the more social, casual type of dining. And many people don't go out for the food as much as for the social experience. Yeah, so, and, yeah. and, and so let's talk about coffee shops. I'm going to go okay. off about the reservation now, right? Okay. This is a little off topic, but I've traveled through Europe mm -hmm. before to the Starbucks trend, right. and you had all of these coffee shops in Europe and cafes, and people would gather mm -hmm. and talk with a cup of coffee or espresso in their hand, and Starbucks opens up this, um, you know, their chain here, and, right. and, it, and it becomes wildly popular, and now it's become a local meeting place for people to sit around and socialize. Um, how, how does that, the, the, the explosion of cafes yeah. and coffee shops fit the trends that you see? And I'll tell you where I'm going with this okay. afterwards. Well, first of all, what you're talking about is what we call a third place. The first place is the home. The second place is your work. And the third place is where you leave your home to meet other people and socialize. Okay. So, you know, Starbucks just picked up on what's been going on in the rest of the world for probably hundreds of years and, and brought it here. But I think that just demonstrates that they're still, you know, genetically we're wired to socialize. 
that's how we survived as a species, because we gathered together and we worked together and we socialized and learned together. So it's, it's in our genetic code. Yeah. And we, we seek out those sort of things. So a lot of these entertainment venues really need to move in that direction. Lucky Strike is a good example. They're not the only one, but it's a meeting place. Right. It, people are coming together to have a social experience in the real world. And the location-based entertainment yeah. Yeah. market is more comparable from a frequency of visit standpoint yeah. to an event than it is a local meeting place, which back in the day the arcade right. used to be, at least for a younger audience, right? So as we look at the opportunities in location-based entertainment, I think you've made it very clear there's an opportunity for a high-fidelity experience right. um, that targets the top 20% in the United States of the socioeconomic strata yeah. that's something that gives them a high-quality, right. high-engagement social. And then there's F&B, food, beverage, mm -hmm. cafes, restaurants. We've talked about how those are improving. How can location-based entertainment um, create a higher frequency visit based on the research that you've seen okay. um, that's something akin to the arcade used to be or Starbucks seems to be today? Well, I, I, first of all, I'd like to say I think part of our problem in this industry is we continue to call it location-based entertainment. And we're trying to use the term location-based socialtainment. Okay. Because it's really first about creating the social experience. The entertainment just facilitates it or becomes the excuse for it. Food and beverage is the one thing we still can't get through the Internet. We do not have food replicators yet. Yeah, be and, me a cheeseburger, right. Scotty. And, and, and this is true in, throughout not only America but most of the world. People love to go out to dine. In America, the average American goes out and sits down in a restaurant of some sort 167 times a year. That's ridiculous. Yeah. They only go to the movies 3.7 times a year. Food and beverage, building what we call destination food and beverage, is really key to the success of, quote, entertainment in the future. And if you really look at those concepts, those chains that have stood the test of time, who have been here 30 years or more and are still growing, you can look at two chains. You can look at Dave & Buster's for the adult market, and you look at, can look at Chuck E. Cheese's for the children's market. If you look at their sales, they're approximately 50% food and beverage and 50% entertainment. And both chains are moving to higher fidelity experiences. They're both working to improve the quality of their food, the quality of the atmosphere, the quality of everything. And one of the things you mentioned, yeah. Chuck E. Cheese specifically, has created some internet-based games that kids can play where you print out redemption tickets right. and bring them back in to the redemption center, which they're trying to increase frequency of visit right. clearly through that, right? But, but what they're also, it's the beginning of what I see is marrying the real world and the digital world into a total brand experience you can have 24-7. It's just the very beginning hints of that possibility of where we can go. So if you're a branded venue, you don't necessarily always have to be there 
to be part of their brand experience. And that is going to be the subject of another podcast because okay. I think we can spend a lot of time <laughs> talking about that one. Okay. Um, Randy White, how do people learn more about the research that you're doing? How can they keep tabs on the great the great work okay. your organization provides? It's, we have most of it. It's all online. I think our website has something like 2,000 articles. It's uh, White Hutchinson, W-H-I-T-E-H-U-T-C-H-I-N-S-O-N.com. I also, uh, uh, we're on Twitter, and I also have a blog, and you can find all the links on our website. That's great. Um, and uh, I just want to thank you for, for doing the research and doing the work. I know it's hard, mm -hmm. and as somebody who's done a lot of research myself, it's, it tends to be tedious, but when you put it all together and you get insights yeah. like that you've provided us, um, it's, uh, it's amazing. Will you uh, be joining the DNA conference in London? Oh, absolutely. I've been invited, and I hope to be speaking there as well. I highly recommend everybody listening to this get a plane ticket and go to London and hear Randy's presentation and see all the statistics. We've just literally scratched the surface yeah. in this recording. So, uh, Randy, I thank you for joining okay. us, and uh, stay tuned for more from DNA Day 2. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DNA Conference U.S. podcast. To download additional podcasts or to get more information on the Digital Out of Home Networked Entertainment Association and other upcoming DNA events, please visit us online at www.dna-association.com.